welcome to another episode. Recently I went to the OT Australian National Conference up in Cairns uh, and a couple of people have asked me my thoughts recently. Uh, I took a bit of time after that conference to process some things that had happened and that I'd experienced and uh, kind of worked out what I wanted to take from that uh, and I, I put a poll up yesterday asking should I do a review episode of of this conference and it was a <laughs> resounding yes I don't even think there was a no vote at all so uh here we are so I uh, I'm going to go through pros and cons uh again this is my experience of the conference obviously very different to everyone's but uh this is my opinion of what happened so hopefully you can get something out of it too. G'day, my name's Brock Cook and welcome to Occupied. In this podcast, we're aiming to put the occupation in occupational therapy. We explore the people, topics, theories and underpinnings that make this profession so incredible. If you're new here, you can find all of our previous episodes and resources at OccupiedPodcast.com. But for now, let's roll the episode. So, OTA 2023, what an experience. Uh, This was my, I believe, sixth national conference. Uh, In Australia, they happen every two years. Uh, So I feel like I'm becoming part of the furniture in some ways and very familiar with uh, the format and what to expect, I guess. Uh, and to a degree, this was this was no different. Uh, the biggest difference with this one was uh, this was probably the most local conference, national conference uh, I'd ever been to. So it was only a short drive from where I live, as opposed to having to fly across the country, which was an interesting change and one that, on reflection afterwards, uh, I had this sort of gut feeling throughout the the, the conference that I couldn't quite pinpoint uh, on terms of it being very different to other conferences that I'd been to in the past. And on reflection, what I kind of put it down to was the fact that I didn't have to fly anywhere, so it didn't feel like a conference. It just felt like I was going to a, a training thing or, or something like that. So um, being very familiar with the, the area and the surrounds, it is literally where I grew up and where I went to high school, um, catching up with, with old friends uh, who live in the area uh, was is a very different uh, thing for me when going away for a conference as opposed to just going to attend the conference purely. Um, so that was an interesting aspect of it. Cairns at that time of year is absolutely picture absolutely perfect weather, rainforest, reef, your, your classic tourism destination when you, if you're not in Australia or even if you are in Australia, when you picture tourism in Australia, a lot of those images that you've probably seen are probably from in and around Cairns. So um, definitely the excitement from people that weren't from the area or who'd never been to the area before uh, was was quite palpable and very visible uh, on the the attendees. Uh, And it felt weird that, I guess because I'd grown up there, that I wasn't at that same level as everyone else to a degree. And I'm sure other people... Um, may have experienced similar 
Uh, like if you're from Melbourne and the conference is in Melbourne, then maybe that's less exciting for you than going to somewhere you haven't been. So, um, but that was uh, an interesting reflection. Uh, what I'd like to do is is highlight. I don't. I don't I'm not going to go through every session that I went to because that would be probably very boring for most people. I would like to highlight a couple of um, the, the key ones that that I took the most away from during the conference. Uh, in the show notes, if you'd like to listen, I did, even though they had a professional photographer, I did manage to sneak my camera in there for a couple of things. Um, so I'll try and share a couple of photos uh, that I took uh, in various sessions just uh, to try and give you a feel for, for what I'm, I'm talking about, mainly for the keynote sessions and stuff like that. Um, the biggest thing... When, when going to this conference, I feel like I kind of took a different tact to what I have in the past. And maybe it was because it felt very relaxed being, I guess, a home ground game. <laughs> um, generally, I would sort of plan everything. Know what sessions I wanted to go to, what streams I wanted to sit in on, etc. And follow that plan... This time, I don't. I wasn't feeling that. Um, the main reason that I wanted to go was for the networking, possibly because it had been so long since we'd had an in-person conference. Uh, I did obviously a, a small mental health uh, style one-day conference in Sydney at the end of last year, but on terms of national uh, and obviously broad spectrum clinical. Uh, this was the first one we'd had since 2019, which was also in Sydney. Um, so uh, my main, I guess, gut feeling was wanting to network, wanting to reconnect with people that I hadn't seen in a very long time since the last conference or before, uh, wanting to make new connections, but also just see, try and get a, a vibe of what's changed in the last four years. Obviously, the world's been through a lot. Clinical practices uh, gone through multiple new iterations with the introduction and uh, change of different restrictions and laws and practice models and funding bodies, etc. So try and get a gauge on where things were at and where things were moving, um, which was, to me, quite evident uh, what direction the profession in this country was moving towards during this conference, which was a good thing. Because um, it also felt like everyone there in attendance was on board with that. And we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll explain a bit about that uh, later on. So there were a few key differences between this conference and the sort of five or six, however many it's been previous that I'd been to. Probably the biggest one... Uh, was a gentleman by the name of Caleb Rickson. Uh, now, Caleb uh, has a lived experience. He's a stroke survivor. Uh, but he was brought in as the conference MC. He obviously had various other roles throughout the conference, had his own presentations, uh, lived experience panels that he was a part of, etc. But as the MC throughout the conference, for one, personality-wise, he was hilarious. He was very different from your typical OT personality, which I 
love. He would swear, he would crack dirty jokes on stage. He was just a really lovable character. But having that continuity throughout the conference, I feel like it really tied everything together. So all the major plenary sessions he emceed um, in between while he was emceeing, so obviously introducing different speakers and having anecdotes, he would share aspects uh, of his own story and his own journey, um, of his own lived experience, essentially, through, scattered throughout, as well as obviously a major uh, part at the, in the opening session of the, the conference. Um, I did have the opportunity just to thank him at the very end after the conference for, for bringing a really new and engaging aspect to a national conference that I'd never seen before. And I really do truly hope uh, that they do continue on with that in the future with other conferences, whether it's, it's Caleb himself or they find other people to share that load around. Um, I do feel like the having an MC for the whole event that isn't just, you know, an OTA staff member um, worked brilliantly and, and was amazingly engaging. There was obviously all of the usual uh, speeches, etc., from OTA, uh, and they're all their staff, president, CEO, all of that stuff. Uh, again, they have those at every conference ever. Um, the keynote, I think everyone that was there, and it was packed, I, I actually think I do have a photo um, of the crowd uh, in the amphitheater for for Churupit's, uh keynote. Now, if you don't know who she is, I'll, I'll throw a link up to her website. She she has a book, etc. Uh, she and I'm gonna absolutely not do this story any justice at all. So I do encourage you to go and have a look. There's YouTube videos. There's tons around about her. Um, but she is wasn't still is an ultra marathon runner who during the middle of a race, if you don't know what an ultra marathon run is, it's uh, I think it's a hundred kilometers, which should be like a sixty mile race, running race. Uh, during the middle of a race, got caught in a bushfire and has extensive burns over a large part of her body, including face, hands, legs, feet, like pretty much everywhere. Uh, she was hilarious. She was engaging. Um, she was able to crack jokes. She did have, uh, some anecdotes around interactions with occupational therapists, which was also good because I've been to some keynotes where they do have a lived experience of something, but it's not directly related to OT in any way. Um, so it was also good to see that, you know, it was to the audience to a degree. Um, but everyone, I, I, I'll try and throw the photo up because I remember looking behind me at one point and taking a photo of the crowd and absolutely everyone, thousands of people, just absolutely glued the stage. Um, very, very engaging and, and, and an amazing story. I do encourage you to, to, to look up her stuff or get a hold of her book and have a read of that as well because, like I said, uh, amazing. 
the next session, I guess, uh, that I, I do want to really highlight, and it was a, a common theme throughout the whole conference, uh, was around decolonization of occupational therapy practice. This is something that uh, where I work, it, we're currently uh, looking into how and what we can do in order to essentially decolonize the whole curriculum which overall, I know there's a number of other unis doing similar projects. Overall, the, the goal is to essentially try and shape uh, where OT practice heads in the future with, re- uh, with regards to how we're able to service work with uh, collaboratively uh, communities of Indigenous background, um, include, and obviously our part of that is the education side of it. Um, this session in particular, there, there was two, uh, two presentations that really stood out to me, uh, really, I guess, hit a note, uh, with me. Now, those of you who may have listened many moons ago, four years ago to my review of the Sydney conference, so it would have been OTA 2019, uh, will remember, uh, my reflection on the session with Tripperichi. Uh, in the education day during that episode, and then obviously subsequently had himself and Jody Booth on the podcast for an episode about decolonization. So this is something that's been on my radar for quite a while, and I felt, and I had discussions with other people who also felt that essentially that Sydney conference was almost for a lot of people the the very first time that this had kind of been highlighted and spoken about from a clinical education. Uh, from a from an education and uh, a tertiary education perspective, uh, and the presentations this time really highlighted that the conversations were still going, that there were, had been some advancement, uh, and that that things were not being left to the wayside and essentially just forgotten about. Like, unfortunately, does happen uh, a lot with not just our profession but other professions with regards to challenging. Uh, projects, I guess. Let's put it that way. Um, so the first uh, first presentation were, was Kerry Thompson and Loretta Shepard, uh, who, uh, from memory, and please correct me if I'm wrong, were from ACU, uh, and they talked about uh, decolonizing uh, a health curriculum uh, and and how they were going about that. Um, from the perspective of trying to really champion uh, and give privilege to First Nations uh, voices, perspectives, um, etc. So very much from the academic side of things and how we can change in a, a safe and collaborative manner what we're teaching and how it's being taught Um to reduce the barriers of students, uh, I guess, learning the bad habits that have been perpetuated for for generations around working with people from a First Nations background. So it was really interesting, and I I did have the the chance to catch up with them afterwards, and I I think me and Carrie talked for maybe two hours just standing around in in the conference hall, with all the exhibitors around us, uh, and yeah, fascinating, 
uh, woman with an amazing story. Uh, if you ever do get the chance to hear hear her, her story uh, at a, a presentation of sorts. Um, and the next one from that same session uh, was uh, Marielle T- Turner and Helen Harrington, who both identify as uh, white and gave a presentation that I think a lot of people would find challenging, but in a really good way. Similar to how uh, Turpa Ricci uh, challenged me in Sydney with his presentation around whiteness. But it was exactly that. It was about naming their privilege and identifying it, because without identifying it, then it doesn't get addressed. So it was a very powerful uh, presentation, obviously, uh, coming from two, and again, their words, not mine, two white women, uh, to be able to, for lack of a better term, name and shame, but essentially really identify and put a name to uh, their privilege in the, for the purpose of identifying it, making it known, uh, and then obviously working to address it with regards to how they both work in their different settings um, with First Nations people. Uh, again, I was I had the opportunity to briefly catch up with, with those two uh, during the conference, and you guys may hear from them. Actually, no, you definitely will hear from them very soon on the podcast, so... Um, yeah, another amazing presentation that was was really powerful. And the thing that I really loved to see, and I, and I spoke about this uh, with a couple of people, uh, I can recall a conversation with Emma George, Dr. Emma George, um, around this, who's been advocating for decolonization and, and this kind of stuff of curriculums and of health frameworks for, I've known her, for years and years, um, was that particular session was in probably, aside from the main arena, probably the biggest presentation area of the whole conference. I would hazard a guess that that area that it was presented in would seat maybe 250 to 300 people all up, Uh, and it was standing room only for the entirety of the session. It was packed, which says to me that this is on the forefront of clinicians' minds, um, and they want information. So I, I feel like it's a good time to keep that momentum and keep the conversation happening uh, for the betterment of the profession and the betterment of the services that we can uh, provide to everyone uh, that we work with. Outside of the sessions, there was also a few moments that even now make me giggle and smile, just meeting uh, some of you guys who who listen to me ramble on at times. Um, I will give a massive shout out and I I deeply apologize because I never actually caught your name. There was a a lady who uh, (laughs) kind of embarrassed the hell out of me, but came and and asked me for a photo, um, which was uh, definitely a new one for me. And uh, I was 
privileged, very privileged to to be in a photo with you. I never actually got, I never actually saw a copy. So if you if you're listening, tag me in the photo. I never actually saw the photo. Um, but yeah, quite a few people came up and 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 complimented the the podcast and asked me about it and and had conversations with me about it. So uh, to all of you, thank you so much um, for continued interest and and. Uh, I hope that my ramblings are still living up to your expectations slash standards um, because it is still very fun yeah, and I, I very much still enjoy it. Uh, and it's good to actually be able to put faces to to listeners because it is so often such a one-way street uh, doing this kind of thing. Uh, you see numbers and you see stats and all of that kind of stuff but when you're at an event like that and you can actually meet people and have conversations with people around some of the topics that you've discussed some of the opinions you've put out there uh even some of the guests that you've had on etc or even some <laughs> weird as it sounds sometimes at this conference or at these conferences it's the first time i actually get to meet uh some of my guests in person uh and it was amazing i don't know there was don't know if I met anyone that I hadn't met before, but it was amazing catching up with some of the... Actually, no, there was. Uh, Anna, uh, who I did the, the uh, podcast around research with Anna and Kitty. Uh, many, oh, God, that was 100 episodes ago. I'm not sure. A very long time ago. Uh, but it was the first time I'd ever actually met Anna in person. Um, so, they, it, again, there you go. It did happen, this conference. But it was also very good to catch up with a lot of people uh, who I had had on the podcast um as guests over the the many years that we've been running this now uh it's always good to to have that in-person connection and it kind of feels like old friends catching up um kitty like i mentioned being one of them and also congratulations to her on receiving a, a, a big research award during the conference as well um so that was awesome now i did say that i was gonna look at some pros and some cons uh, of this conference, and I, oh, I'm going to sandwich them. So I'm going to throw some of the. Uh, they weren't bad, most of them, but I guess the less than ideal situations um, for me. And again, this is again my personal opinion. It was stuff that just didn't line up for me, really. Um, I, I did have some uh, an interesting. And I, I talked about this with a few people on the at, at the time, but it was it. I don't. I could. Ne- I still can't work out what exactly it was, but there was something to do with the venue layout that just felt a bit odd. Like previous conferences, um, there's always been sort of a lot of the breakout rooms for sessions, but there's also been the main plenary area for the large keynotes, etc., and obviously the exhibitor hall where all of the exhibitors were stationed and that's generally where they would serve the food so that people could interact with the exhibitors etc previous conferences there was always you were always running into people like you obviously if you go to a conference like that even if you know 10 other people at that at that conference you, there was bottlenecks in the movement that you would have to take during the day that would ensure that you were always running into people uh, or catching up with people throughout the days um, 
that just didn't happen at this conference. And like, yeah, no, I, I still can't pinpoint exactly what it is. The only thing I could think of is is the layout of the the building itself. Um, but even then, I can't couldn't tell you exactly what about that layout was making this such a different experience. Uh, other than the fact that the exhibitor hall was kind of split into two, uh, that's the only thing I can think of. Uh, it was just a very odd situation. And I found myself, there was people there that I knew were there uh, that I might have you know, caught a glimpse of from a distance at some point, but then you just wouldn't see them for the next three days, which to me, I've never been to a conference where that's been the case. Uh, there was people that I caught up with the bar after the conference that I hadn't seen all conference. Um, it, was, it was just an odd situation. And again, I don't know exactly what it was. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. Again, probably just me. Um, the other thing was the streams. The streams were interesting. And I, I, I'm not trying to uh, degrade the incredible work that scientific committee and etc all everyone involved in putting that together does but i i feel like in my and it, it, this is definitely a me thing more than a conference thing but i feel like i'm kind of in a weird place career wise where i don't really know what my may i don't have a single major interest area um, obviously I'm very targeted towards mental health. Uh, I also have, uh, an area of interest around OT education. Again, that feels more like a, a, an interest of circumstance more than an interest of passion, if that makes sense. But, uh, there's a lot of the, the way the streams were structured, they were, not structured around your traditional clinical areas so much, but more around the general topic. It was almost like qualitative coding where they've gone, oh, here's a, a general theme among these different presentations as opposed to, you know, this presentation. these presentations all relate to pediatrics, etc. Some of them were quite specific, and there were definitely some of those more general ones, but there wasn't for my weird makeup of interest areas wasn't a lot of full streams um that i would happily be interested to go and sit through the whole lot of um which again isn't I mean, there's plenty of people that bounce around between streams but i just that's something i've noticed with previous conferences is they'd been like you know say an occupational science stream or a, a mental health uh, practice or a mental health education stream and I would be happy to go and sit through all of the presentations within that stream and again like I said it's been a long time since I've had an in-person conference it may very well be um, my <laughs> it could be my attention span who knows um, but that's just something an interesting thing that I observed uh, myself uh, feeling and going through during this one probably the only genuine negative and I debated whether or not I should actually bring this up but uh, I feel like in the spirit of being completely honest um, I'm gonna bring it up somewhat so the only genuine negative experience that I had during the conference um, 
was I was in the exhibitor hall talking with uh, a, a fellow OT, um, Brad from Naturally Gathered. Uh, heard him on one of our OT Roundtable episodes. Um, and a member of the OT Australia exec came over to us and gave us some OT merch, uh, a notebook, in fact, which I have in front of me. It's very nice. It's very, very, very useful, very nice. Um, but they asked for some feedback on the conference. And I thought, okay, well, you know, exact team. They're obviously looking for, for feedback. This was in the, the later parts of the conference. It wasn't early on. Um, so I was like, all right, I'll be honest. And I started to give some feedback and this person laughed and walked away. And at first I was a bit, I don't know, taken aback by it. And I, I vaguely remember saying to Brad, like, what the, what was that? And in processing it afterwards, I was like, well, that's, to me, I don't know, it just doesn't sit right with me, especially being someone of that stature within the professional body. It, if you're going to ask for feedback, listen to the feedback. Take it on board, even if you don't agree with it or you don't like it, take it on board. Because like it or not, your members are paying your salary. So that's the only negative experience I had at, the, at this conference. And I, I tried not to, at the time it, it really threw me. But in hindsight, I've tried not to let that experience tarnish uh, a lot of the other positives that I had uh, during this event, which was vastly outnumbered with positives. I can promise you that, even though it might not sound like it. Um, the, the positive vastly outnumbered that, that single negative experience. What other events? So there was a, a, the welcome drinks were uh, way bigger than I've ever experienced. So generally, most conferences that I've been to will have, usually after the first day, at the, at the end of the first day, we'll have like a welcome drinks event where people can sort of network, have a beer, meet new people, mingle, socialize, etc. And they usually last like an hour or an hour and a half or so. Um, this one, there just so happened to be a, a local brewery very close to the venue, i.e. right next door, pretty much. Uh, so the welcome drinks were at this brewery. Fantastic, yep, good, uh, good venue, good service, good drinks. I would say, on average, in previous conferences I've been to, maybe, I'd say a third of people might shop. So you might have 300 people uh, at a, a welcome drinks event around that. In this brewery, I reckon they crammed about a thousand people and it was absolutely hectic. It was shockers. I've never seen the. I didn't realize until afterwards that the, the venue itself wasn't even normally open and they opened it just for this event. It's a, an old cruise terminal warehouse, so it's enormous. You could fit multiple semi-trailers inside of this thing, and literally every single person in there was an OT straight from the conference. It was nuts. Uh, 
bordering on almost too too many people to actually be of a useful time. Uh, it was hard to to mingle and get around just because of so many people. It was hard to get a drink because of so many people. But it was just an absolutely incredible sight to see that many OTs crammed into a brewery. It was it was amazing. I, I didn't even actually get any photos of that, which I really should have. I wish I had. Um, but yeah, really fun and, and a, a very different experience from previous conferences, which was fun. I think the last session that uh, I kind of want to highlight was actually the very last session of the conference. And it wasn't something that initially I flagged as something that would pique my interest personally. And this is probably going to sound bad when I tell you what it is. Uh, it was about climate change and the role of occupational therapy. And I'd, I'd, I'd seen sessions around this, what I thought was this topic, years ago. I can picture a state conference in about 2012 that I remember sitting through a session around climate change and occupational therapy and just thinking, oh, I just, at the time, I was a lot less experienced, obviously, ten more than 10 years ago. But I just couldn't see the link i couldn't relate to the content it just wasn't gelling for me um so i i think i don't don't think i really got much out of it if you know what i mean this one it was in the final plenary uh it was kind of like a, a closing session for the whole conference so the plenary plenary was um fairly packed there was a lot of people there was a, it was a panel up on stage, um, to Neil Hodson, Kate Sinclair, and a, a gentleman called Yessi Moby, um, who is the main person I do want to, uh, I guess, highlight with regards to this session, because he was absolutely incredible. Um, not taking away from everyone else that was on the panel, they were uh, OTs and gave their clinical and personal experiences of, uh, I guess, the importance of uh, considering climate change during work uh, and and what we do with clients, etc. But Yessi was different. He wasn't a clinician. He was a gentleman who lived in uh, Thursday Island. And he gave what I consider probably the greatest explanation to me of First Nations people in Australia and their connection to their the lands that they live on. Uh, up until that point, I was very, I guess my superficial knowledge of that was that Indigenous persons did have this connection with... Uh, country, as they they call it, but I never really understood what that involved or why that was until now. And I'm not saying I've got a perfect understanding of it, but it makes incredible amounts more sense to me now after Yessie's story. So I won't go into the specifics of, of his story because that's. It's his story to tell. Um, however, he explained 
that the island, what the island gave to him and his people, the fact that it was their school, their science lab, their library, their generational archive, their, it was their, everything, all of these sort of separate things that we take uh, into account for how we live our lives are all encompassed in this one thing, this island, this area uh, for where he lives. And he talked about the island group around him and how each of the different islands or each of the different areas of the islands uh, had different landscapes. Some were swampy, some were very fertile, some were volcanic, etc. And how each of the peoples that lived on these different areas had learned to not just live but to thrive in these different environments because they learned what was available to them by the land and how to look after that land and how to propagate and live and for generations thousands and thousands of years and he he told a story about um when he first realized that climate change was having an impact on his lands and i mean we we hear these stories about you know the oceans rising and weather events becoming more severe and to a lot of us we're probably distanced enough from that that it's somewhat of a not something that's directly impacting us. Yes, the place where I live uh, is near the coast, but am I reliant on the coast? Absolutely not. But for someone who is and is reliant on the lands and reliant on the, the waters and the seasons and the weather being predictable and all of their knowledge that they've gathered over thousands of years around animal migrations and when the wets are coming and what the different sea currents mean with regards to what foods are going to be available etc any change in that ecosystem is going to have a tremendous uh it's going to make a tremendous impact on what they have available to them with regards to food, living, uh, shelter even to a degree, and how they're able to maintain some of their history. A lot of the history is passed down. So if that's not able to happen, some of the history may be through uh, paintings and artworks, etc. And if that's damaged or destroyed, then it's literally wiping history away. Um, so again, it was, like I said, I don't want to go into the specifics of his story because it's not my story to tell, but I've never had such a, uh, a powerful explanation of indigenous link to country until that presentation. I, I happened to be sitting front row for that and I just was absolutely glued uh, to Yessi and his story, it was absolutely amazing. He'd flown down that day from the island, and I, I believe he was having dinner and maybe even flying back that night. Um, but I, 
I, I know you probably won't hear this, but um, the the impact that this one gentleman has had on my concepts around how that uh, that sort of connection to land. Um, I yeah, I could not thank him enough if if I had the opportunity to do so. So that's probably the last session that I wanted to highlight, um, because it definitely had a, an immense impact on me. Um, now I guess the other important thing and something I probably haven't hundred percent worked out yet, um, is okay, cool, Brock. You've got all this information. What are you gonna do with it? And um, I guess that's something I'm still working on, still building. Um, obviously, I said uh, earlier with regards to the decolonization stuff that our, uh, where I work is is doing a major project uh, around that. So obviously, some of that knowledge, some of that new learning will be incorporated into that. Um, but uh, I'm still looking for other ways that I can, on, on a more personal level that I can uh, integrate some of this new knowledge into some of the classes that I have direct um, like coordination impact on or projects that I might be involved in directly. Um, but we'll, time will tell. If I uh, come up with anything that I feel might be inter interesting for you guys, then uh, believe me, as always, I will will share it with you guys. Um, if you went to the conference and you came and said hello again, thank you very much. I really do appreciate you guys. Uh, if you went to the conference and I didn't manage to catch you, thank you again. Anyway, leave a comment wherever you're, you're listening to this. If it's on Facebook or Insta, let me know what were your highlights of the conference if you went. Um, I do believe that uh, Twitter was active-ish again for this conference. So if you search the hashtag OTA... 2023 or maybe it was ot oz might be a ot otaus 2023 um you can probably see some of the engagement uh that was had by people at the conference etc uh if that's your thing um other than that yeah i'm keen to hear what other people experienced how how you found it whether you um, had any similar experiences to me, whether you had a completely different experience to me. Um, actually, the one other thing I will add is it was amazing. Uh, being a local uh, conference of sorts, uh, it was incredible seeing so many of our uh, graduates at the conference. And it was, uh, if you're listening, you guys are listening, then um, yeah, it was really good to catch up and see everyone doing so well uh, in the profession and, and, and still having that passion uh, for occupational therapy, um, even a number of years after graduating and, and leaving us behind at JCU. So, uh, yeah, it was overall uh, amazing to catch up with everyone, amazing to see everyone. Definitely looking forward to the next one. One thing they didn't do was announce where the next national conference is. Generally, that's the Big announcement at the very, very end of the closing session is the announcement of where the next venue is going to be, but that didn't happen this time for the first time ever, I think. So, unsure. I couldn't tell you. Uh, if you're overseas, though, you've got two years to start planning. Uh, come visit me. Come see me. I'll be there, wherever it is. 
but until next time, guys, I will uh, I'll talk to you soon. If you liked this episode and want to check out more, head over to occupiedpodcast.com or search Occupied Podcast in your favorite podcasting app. If you have thoughts or reflections on the topics discussed today, please do get in contact. We'd love to hear from you. And lastly, if you got some value from this and you want to help us out, like, subscribe, share it with a friend. Remember, be good to yourself, be good to others, and always keep occupied.